Coming up on a mailbag Friday edition of the Locked On Nets podcast, we take a look at what the return from injury for Dariq Whitehead could mean for the Brooklyn Nets, whether or not fans should care about what former Nets players do in their future NBA careers, and what unfortunate circumstances take place off the court for an NBA player, should any team, Nets included, stand to benefit. We break it all down, coming up next. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ah, yes, my friends, it is the Locked On Nets podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day. Over there is Doug Norrie. I am Adam Armbrecht. We thank you for making us your first listen of the day and remind you that we are free on all those great platforms. And if you haven't done so already, you should be joining joinsubtext.com slash Nets so that you can get all the conversations that we can't jam into the podcast, jam into our YouTube discussions, and even over on x twitter whatever you want to refer to it as be sure to take advantage of the 14-day free trial at joinsubtextcom slash locked on nets and let you know today's episode is of course brought to you by fanduel sportsbook the official sportsbook of locked on make every moment more right now new customers can bet five dollars and get two hundred dollars in bonus bets guaranteed visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get started and doug Mailbag, we've got a pretty wide-ranging collection of questions that we wanted to get into, some very Nets-centric, and then a little bit broader around the NBA as we think about, first and foremost, the rookie, Dariq Whitehead, and maybe an opportunity for him to get back on the court. Yeah, little bits of news coming out from for Whitehead over the course of the last week where, you know, he's been at training camp or he's been at the facility. He's getting shots up. Um, it's a good sign. I, you know, we still don't know exactly what the timeline for his return is. After all, he you know had the foot stuff that came out of the draft. We already knew that, you know, the the speculation was that was why he underperformed at Duke. Right. Was just struggling with uh, with foot issues and he ultimately gets drafted. But you know, we even spoke about this before the draft. We were actually feeling decent about this as a draft pick for the Nets before they took him. We talked about this mm-hmm. extensively because the Nets doctor had been the one performing the surgery, and we felt like they were as close as they, as they could be on the medicals. And Whitehead offers this really interesting upside case that we know the Nets sort of shot for this year, which I think you know we can get into here a little bit. But in terms of, but they have a long runway with him, and. Mm-hmm. I think that the upside could be as good as anyone in this draft. And it's really, it's going to be a really interesting situation going into the season. Right. Like, I mean, I mean, what are your expectations for him going into the season? I I know, I think I know what mine are, but I'm just curious if we're on the same page. I've set them incredibly low, not based on who he is as a player or what we think he can be long-term, but just from the health standpoint, I think it's why when that's took him, the understanding was we're drafting you and thinking about it just like Noah Clowney for very different reasons. Health-wise, take the entire year if needed to get healthy. But what does become interesting is then when you hear, well, he's getting shots up, and that means, as we know, we think about the Ben Simmons situation, very little relative to being ready to play in NBA games. But but the idea that maybe a quarter of the way through the season, maybe ahead of the trade deadline, Dariq Whitehead could get on the court and start to show what could be possible for him. It makes it interesting to think about how that can influence the rotation for the Nets and then decisions that they make, I think, ahead of that deadline midway through the season. 
Yeah, I think they're actually in a really, really what they did in this offseason. I think they're really in a good spot with these two rookies specifically, right? We they we knew they took rookies that were probably a long way off. They're both very young, um, Whitehead and, and Clowney both, and they kind of populated the roster with like big swing, you know, or eh, let's call them medium swing guys, right? That like they can maybe end up just reclaiming some value on either in the trade market or whatever, not having to put any pressure on these guys to come in and perform early, right? Their the expectations are super low. And I think that's a good thing for both these things. We saw in clown, we saw from Clowney uh, during summer league that he was really, really raw, right? That's, that's going to be, um, you know, maybe a long time coming, but that's fine. Right. I think we think the ceiling's pretty high for him. And then with Whitehead, we haven't seen him at all. Right. Cause he's still in the recovery process. You know, he'll probably end up playing summer league next year, which would be really, pretty cool. Uh, yeah. so I actually don't even know if we'll see him this year. Like I, I, I think it might be just like a long Island nets kind of development thing and, mm. you know, long recovery time, stuff like that. Like the nets have all, we know the nets of the medicals and stuff. They've always yeah. been. I mean, Super I don't even want to transparent. I don't even want to call it conservative because, like, that <laughs> seems conservative would, would seem like they were like wildly, you know, just throwing caution to the wind. I mean, these guys, yeah, these guys, yeah, right. I mean, these guys have been as rough as it gets when it comes to just like trying to figure out what's going on or timelines or all this other stuff, and it, it's all almost always taking longer. So, I don't know. Like, I we might not see him at all. That's fine. That's fine. I think. Um, I hope we do, but yeah, I think that we're the, the Nets are in a, an interesting spot with him. He would be a guy for sure. Like if he was playing at Long Island, that you'd want to tune in for. Like I don't know yes. how many, I don't know how often we're tuning into Long Island Nets games, but this would be a situation where if he was playing, be like, hey, let's take a look because I think it could be meaningful. Clowny, Clowny, too, to some degree. Well, and and just as a reminder, he comes into the league at six seven two twenty. As he's going to be developing, he is nineteen years old, and I think sometimes we we split them, or at least I have. Clowney is the young player that needs time to develop, but because of the injury and because of where his NBA draft stock would have been if not for that, I keep yeah. thinking about Derek Whitehead in a different way. But it's a good reminder. He only played in twenty eight games for Duke. Seven games started, right? Like the sample size is very small, very promising, but he does still fall into that developmental track category. Last thing that I, I would then I'll ask you on it around his development. And let's say that he's healthy enough at some point this year to get on the court for the Long Island Nets. You stop short of saying, bring him up to the NBA level at some point this year, if it looks like it's viable, because I guess maybe it's, it's splitting that difference of, if we have an opportunity to make a trade, if we talked about uh, at a nausea in this offseason, Royce O'Neal, Dorian Finney-Smith, you'd like to think that you have something even beyond a Jalen Williams to bring into that fold. Um, but you would not pressure Dariq Whitehead to come to the NBA level and start to show something, even if it's going incredibly well at the Long Island level. Oh, man, if it was going really well, then yeah, for sure. I, I, I just more meant I just more meant I wouldn't be concerned if they didn't. Like that's, right, right. that's okay. more yeah. that, that, yeah. Just to clarify my, my point before I I'm all for, if, if it looks ready to go, there's literally no reason to waste it. Like you want right. these guys on, you want these guys on NBA court sooner than later. But I, I'm more saying that if, if we didn't see it or if the, if it was sort of like slow because of the injury stuff, that's also just totally fine. It's right. just totally fine. The nets are in that kind of position. Now they got a lot of guys that you want to see rotation minutes from to see what they have. Whitehead's age and everything else just means he can go to the back of the line, not from a talent standpoint, but just from a developmental standpoint, just take a year. It's totally cool. So yeah, that's all I meant. I, I, yeah, if he's ready, he's ready. Let's see it. But I, I'm just, I, I really doubt that's going to be the case. 
Yeah, and I think that's what makes it so interesting j- just to watch how these players are going to develop. And if we get into camp ahead of the season next month, whatever it is, whether it's just he's getting up shots for Derek Whitehead, whether, hey, a little one-on-one, right? Anything we get on him is just going to start to set a little bit of expectations for how excited we can be, whether it's watching him at the Long Island level or potentially coming up with Brooklyn at any point over the course of the season. So always a good note when we know there is a bit of a a wait and see timeline on both of the first round draft picks for the Brooklyn Nets coming up here in a second. Let's think about players that have left Brooklyn, including uh, one of the uh, fan favorites and David Duke jr. How should fans feel when seeing what players do after leaving Brooklyn? We dive in on that coming up next. All right, before we get to that, tell you about our friends over and FanDuel NFL season is rip raring and going right now, heading into week two here over on FanDuel. And FanDuel's got a c- incredible offers. It's America's number one sports book for a reason, folks. Right now, over on FanDuel, new customers can get or can bet five dollars and you're gonna get two hundred dollars in bonus bets back. That's guaranteed. That's all you gotta do. You go in there, you bet five dollars in any one of the many offerings they have, you know, money lines player props it's all there over unders it's all there on FanDuel you bet those five dollars you're gonna get 200 back plus all customers who bet those same five dollars gonna get a hundred dollars off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV you're getting the bets you're getting the games that's everything you can want on a Sunday now's the best time to join FanDuel apps easy to use you can bet on everything like I said from spreads to player props and more visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to kick off the NFL season with an offer you're not going to want to miss FanDuel official partner of the NFL Okay, so as we continue our conversation, Mailbag Friday edition, thoughts about Dariq Whitehead and hopefully seeing him get on the court here and just give the fan base something to be excited about as we think forward for the Nets. But then we think about the past, and I, and I will contextualize this beyond. I mentioned David Duke Jr., a guy that need not be considered a valuable lost commodity for the Brooklyn Nets, but he did sign officially the uh, 10-day contract with the Philadelphia 76ers, and it did just get me thinking about when you review back, and people did this around the superstar trades, right? Oh, well, Jared Allen, you could have kept him. Karis LeVert, you could have kept him. You made all these decisions. You didn't get anything for it. And then you turn around and you see that Jared Allen is a very good player, but I don't know if he was going to be the absolute needle mover for Brooklyn. Karis LeVert struggled with injuries and otherwise, and maybe it doesn't feel as bad. Do you do you think that fans should care? Let's just start there because I actually I'll contextualize it to the Nets' current roster in a second. But should Nets fans care when you sometimes see players go on to have different or better or that next level of their career? Well, yeah. Well, to clarify, I mean, those guys went out in the Harden trade. So it wasn't like they went out for nothing, right? Like, I mean, right. you're yeah, not, right. it wasn't just like walk they, away like, in free agency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the Duke situation is a little different. Um, yeah. And so I just just to, just to clarify that, like those guys were used as value econ- commodities. And I think like with Levert, I think we've seen like, OK, that they probably sold pretty high in Levert. So I, I think mm-hmm. that um, I think from that standpoint, you don't feel bad about it. I, it's a, always a little tough. Um, to see players go out the door and perform other places. I'm always happy for these guys. I root for all these dudes. I just want all them all to make it. I, I really actually sometimes struggle with saying guys shouldn't make the team or, or, or you know, things like that because there's a livelihood piece to it that I, to me, is always a little weird, right? It's like, oh, yeah, you know, they shouldn't make the team. I'm like, I don't know. This guy's life <laughs> in the balance, right. like life changing money and stuff like that. I don't know if I want to be the i'm not the arbiter but it feels weird even saying it um no i mean with david duke i hope he i hope he i hope he catches on I, it was the same thing with kessler edwards right it was like okay well this is yeah. weird they're kind of just dumping him as a as a salary dump to just get off the just to 
to get him out the door so they don't have to cut to cut the guy later. Um, I will say in general, the Nets have in the past have had way more wins on this side of the ledger than than losses. Like guys that they brought in have outperformed what other teams basically let them go, and the guys they let go really never caught on anywhere else. You know, think about guys like Musa or Curix, guys like this, right? That right. that Nets fans dreamt on for a while, and then they let them go, and they're gone, <laughs> right? Well, so I I don't know. I I don't know if I'm answering your question. I think just in general. I always want these dudes to, to perform well. I wish there was more slots in the NBA for them to all to all catch on. I just I can understand why they did not bring David Duke Jr. in here, and I'm not so concerned about him making some kind of like heavy rotation minutes leap this year either. Sure, and it's the idea. Well, in, in his case particular, you know, all of a sudden he's on the court, you know, in a key matchup against the Brooklyn Nets this season. It makes any play at all, right? Gets his hands in on a pass, you're gonna go, oh, like you know, the that'll you'll have that moment. I think the fans will have that moment, no matter who it is. But the other interesting thing here, before I tie it into the current roster, is you know, Spencer Dinwiddie goes out and he goes to Dallas, and he's the he has a great short run with Dallas with Luca, and at the time it's. You know, we didn't want to pay him the big contract, but he gets paid and he ends up in Dallas ultimately after. Well, hold on real quick. He got he got paid. He got paid by Washington. Yeah, gets paid by Washington, ends up there and, and ultimately um, ultimately has a nice run in Dallas after the stop in Washington. And again, at the time, nobody wanted to pay, overpay for Spencer Dinwiddie. But then when he's playing elsewhere, you look at me, go, boy, he really, you know, he's been having a good having a good run there. As soon as he gets back on the team, though, like I think this is just a natural process for fans. You don't want to be give up the guy. You maybe don't want to pay him, but you love to keep him. Then you see how he performs. You want him back. Then he gets here. You go, well, you're not living up to our standards now, right? So <laughs> to yeah, your point yeah. about livelihood and expectations and everything else, it always falls victim to is the team doing well? Are you you're shooting too much for what I would prefer? So like you end up pigeonholing guys into the you want them at the right price point in the right role playing at the absolute best version of themselves when they're on your team or not looking so good elsewhere. And I think um, D'Angelo Russell is another good example of this as well, right? He's yeah. there with Dinwiddie for the run with Brooklyn. He moves on, looks good a little bit, but never to the point where fans are, oh no, he's more exposing some of the weaknesses of his game. And that's why you're okay. And you feel great about it obviously goes out in what ends up being the Kevin Durant trade. Well, if you remember too, I mean, a lot of the talking points around not resigning Dinwiddie was that like Cy was cheap. <laughs> if you remember, it was that I was like, oh, they're not, well, they're not doing has lasted even even through the superstar era somehow still lives not, on. Right, they're not doing everything they can. They should have resigned him. This is Cy being cheap, and then and then you know fast forward a few years later, or you know th- two years later, I guess, and 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 the Dinwiddie conversation has changed mostly because his role changed. Right, like when yes. he was a role play, when he was more of a role player, it was like okay, then I, it was. Or you know, sort of a really good role player. That was a good spot for him. When he's they're the lead ball creator, it maybe it it gets a little funky. You said the same thing with with D'Angelo Russell, right? It's like it gets a little funky with him too. Where it's like, well, now he's a max guy. I'm like, well, that really doesn't make sense. <laughs> right? Well, he's not anymore. I thought I loved him, but it turns out, yeah, I, 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 there's a, there's a price expectancy around how much we I talk about this all the time, right? We just always say this that it's like expectation over money. It's all the the, the you can. Your expectation when you get paid, the expectations just go so much higher that you can your game doesn't have to change at all. It's just the money changed and now and now all of a sudden the narrative around you changed. But yeah. I think in general, the Nets, I, I mean with Dinwiddie with all these guys, they I think they've done pretty mostly pretty well uh, on this stuff. I, I think it's 
I think the resume that they have for what guys do elsewhere and what they've gotten for them has been pretty good over the years. So it's hard to get mm-hmm. too, too crazy about it. Now, here's the interesting one, I think, net-centric. Not, It's not about – this isn't about Royce O'Neal or Dorian Finney-Smith, veteran guys that you want to get value because you know that they're going to they're continue to get older and their value is going to diminish. Cam Thomas yeah. is the on-roster guy that I think this might be the first one in recent memory or the highest-profile one that let's say he doesn't crack the rotation for whatever reasons, you know, performance yeah. or otherwise. It could be that he just doesn't put it together even when you see the samples. And the Nets move on from him by the deadline. You're going to see this guy, no matter what, no matter what his oh, career yeah. is, you're going to see him put up buckets wherever he ends up, especially if it's a bad team that needs scoring. That, I think, will be – you will. there will be ire from the Nets fan base towards the Brooklyn Nets organization if Cam Thomas leaves midseason at the deadline and he averages anywhere above 12 or 13 points is probably going to be more than enough to get people pretty irate, and I guarantee you would actually be closer to 20 than 10. Oh, yeah, he'll be the canary in the coal mine for, like, net sanity around around this exact time. This is a great call by you. Yeah. This is the exact guy. This is the exact guy that would make – that would drive people completely – drives, he drives everyone nuts now, and he's now. on the team. <laughs> and, and so, the, like, he, it's already a huge problem among just sort of just different narrative people around, like, the Cam Thomas thing. If he went off to another team and was good, oh, my God. I, I You would – they would have no, you would never hear, you would literally never hear the end of it. And probably maybe rightfully so. I mean, like this would be one of those, this does represent what could be a huge miss if it were to go different somewhere else. The season would be fascinating with him, but we have a million storylines that we're going to get into. We'll go in the next couple of weeks, we'll go through like our most intriguing storylines for the season. Yeah. And we have a lot of them because there are a lot. This one is right near the top for the Nets, which is hilarious for a guy that, sometimes couldn't even get off the bench but that's the whole narrative it's like this really this is really really interesting with him so coming up here in a second we'll i'll give a little follow-up note which makes the cam thomas situation even more exacerbated potentially for brooklyn and then we'll turn our attention to an unfortunate off-court situation for the houston rockets and kevin porter jr and whether or not teams across the league including the brooklyn nets should be willing to engage in a process that benefits them in the long term even surrounding a player with some problems All right, before we get to that, tell you about our friends over at Jace Medical. Look, these days, really with anything in life, the worst thing you can be is unprepared. Uh, And then when it comes to medical stuff, forget about it. You definitely don't want to be unprepared when it comes to medical stuff, when it comes to emergency use. Jace Case Medical, they've figured this out. They provide five life-saving antibiotics that they'll just get sent right to your door. It's doctor-created, doctor-recommended. There's physicians on staff that are going to work with you, and you're going to get what you need when you need it. We've been through this before with my own family. You get the round of strep going through the the house. The last thing you need to want to be able to do is just go go to the doctors, trying to get appointments, get into the pharmacy. All this stuff can just pile up. Jace Case solves this for you. You're not going to be unprepared, and they have the things that you're going to need. Right now with Jace Case, you can save more than $360 by getting these life-saving antibiotics plus an additional $20 off if you use the promo code locked on at checkout for Jace Medical. That's Jace Medical, J-A-S-E Medical.com. Folks, listen to me. Don't be unprepared. Go doctor doctor recommended, doctor created. These guys have figured it out. Jace Medical.com. Use the promo code locked on. 
Okay, so as we continue our Mailbag Friday, talking about everything from what could be for Brooklyn Nets players, whether they're here or elsewhere, and then also a league-wide narrative here in just a moment with the NBA. Reminder that if you're not over on joinsubtext.com slash LockedOnNets, you won't have an opportunity to have your thoughts about Dariq Whitehead, talk directly to Doug and myself, and have us get back to you. Yeah, we have more than just 30 minutes a day to dedicate to discussing the Brooklyn Nets. Have a conversation like you're in your favorite group chat with all your buddies talking all things Brooklyn Nets. 14-day free trial on joinsubtext.com slash locked on nets. So the last just quick note on the Cam Thomas situation, too, is that remember also that if he were to go somewhere else, that two years from now, when maybe Mikhail Bridges has been traded, maybe Cameron Johnson isn't here, like when the Nets maybe are in a full rebuild mode, It'll, that'll be when his performances elsewhere is exactly what every Nets fan will be looking at because it will be a bad team getting potentially big minutes and big points from Cam Thomas, and that's exactly where the Nets will be. A bad team that needs big minutes from a guy that can get a lot of points regardless of whether or not it leads to wins or losses. So this dude yeah. will play forever. No one has been dragged more, I think, relatively speaking, maybe unfairly just in the spectrum of like, what he could be you don't know we still don't even know what cam thomas is yet nothing has been at a higher level that being the case um we we kick off the final segment here with an unfortunate situation involving kevin porter jr and the houston rockets i'm not going to go too far into the details beyond the fact that he was arrested in new york city following a 911 call on assault charges there's already been other information that's come out from the victim side of this as well so i don't want to go too deep into something that is probably going to continue to evolve bottom line being Something non-basketball related occurred and Kevin Porter Jr. is in a very serious set of circumstances for himself. And on the heels yeah. of that, the Houston Rockets immediately came out and said, hey, we're shopping him. We're looking to go ahead and get this guy off our roster. And it just made me think about a fan question that asked if the Nets should be involved in this for draft capital reasons. But also, where should the NBA be on situations like this where something that has real serious ramifications away from basketball can end up benefiting teams, other teams, any aspect of it. It seems like a very weird situation for the NBA and sports in general. Yeah, it's a horrible, horrible situation. Um, it's an assault charges. There's, it's, uh, it's on file here with the district attorney um, in Manhattan. It's really, really bad. I mean, and the the Rockets it came out when uh, we were recording this on Thursday. It came out on Wednesday evening that they were trying to trade him. That they were going to, like you said, attach draft capital to to get off the contract because they want to win now. Like they're like, hey, he was going to be part of the rotation, and we are willing to give assets yep. in order to get off the money. He is due $15 million a year. His contract is weird. It's because like he's got two non-guaranteed years after this one, then a team option uh, for 26-27. Going to go ahead and say that that team's not going to be picking that up. Um, so there's, a, you know, there's ba- it looks like it's ba- it's essentially an expiring. Like, who knows what the guarantees are in the next two years, but I don't think it's much. And this mm-hmm. is a guy who, uh, just as a note, when he came over from Cleveland, there were issues with – there was there was issues coming to Cleveland got off the contract because got off of him early because they were having issues with him there. And there's been bibs and bobs of, of stuff around him with the locker room. I mean, I'm not saying anything that hasn't been said by national reporters for a while now around Kevin yeah. Porter Jr. Regardless, I think your question is, you know, should teams enter this space of like capitalizing on an unfortunate situation? I think it's really tricky. I, like I 
the 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 cold answer is yes, right? Is as that well, this is the situation, these are the logistics. The law is going to end up dealing with him in a legal way. So I like that's just going to be whatever it is. And from the from the business of basketball, if a team is looking to help you improve your team by getting off their problem, I don't think that there's any moral ramifications of that. Um the yeah. Nets are in an interesting situation specifically here with 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 Houston. I, maybe we do a whole podcast about this at some point, but I don't know. Is that I don't know if I gave a wishy-washy answer there, but I think no. that I think you're gonna see I think you're gonna see him moved. I, I think you're gonna see him traded because I at first I was like, no way, what are you crazy? But with the with the con I for, I didn't realize the contract was not guaranteed for the two years. I, I think that you're gonna see him probably get moved here and then and then and then w- immediately stretch waved and, and and dumped, right? Like and I think that's yeah, and just the on the on the on the partially guaranteed next year, guaranteed money is one million dollars twenty four twenty five right. for Kevin Porter Jr. So not necessarily you know a figure that would scare anybody away. No, and I think you're right. I mean, you see this a lot, especially in the NFL. Yeah. NFL has had a lot of situations, high profile, where it's something comes out and it's immediate because contracts are structured different in the NFL. They can cut ties with a player instantly. And then there's a moratorium on how long does a team have to wait before you can pick somebody up. And, you know, you you want to think that it's legitimate, but they put out the right PR statements around it. That player rehabilitates themselves in terms of the eyes of the community, and they make their way back onto the court. You mentioned that Kevin Porter Jr. Is, is seemed to have had something following him, never to this level, but concerns around him all the way back to Cleveland. When it comes to the Brooklyn Nets, and maybe any team, and you, to your point, a full episode on, on what's happened with Houston as a team and a franchise and how that impacts the Nets and the capital they gave away to them, certainly a full episode coming from that. But if the Nets or any team said, Listen, you don't like the stink on this guy? Great. You want to dump him off your roster? Fine. We don't want anything to do with him. But we'll take him. And with a clear public statement, he's not a part of our franchise, not a part of our organization, but it's just a prudent move for us to regain capital. I think you're still going to see public backlash, any team that does take him on, no matter how you frame it. But that will probably come and go. And on the back end, the Brooklyn Nets could stand to get more draft capital and maybe even move off of a contract that whether in the short or long term, they prefer to get away from anyway, right? So I, it's it, like you said, it, it feels a little bit cold, but this is a part of the business of the NBA and of sports. And you have to be calculated about making decisions that help improve your team. I mean, specifically, they could recoup their own draft capital. I, like that's, well, that's the reason. Funny, yeah. that, that's the reason that it's like actually the probably the most. I'm going to put the word interesting here. It's horrific. I'm I'm in strictly from a basketball stamp, standpoint. It's interesting yeah. because because this is a situation where the Nets specifically have their own draft capital tied up in Houston, right? And we've talked at length around the problems that's created for their own sort of what their the sort of sort of short term plans, right? They can't really tank because they don't have their own picks and so and and Houston owns those exact picks the ability to control their own destiny a little bit more here is immensely valuable to the Nets mm-hmm. I, it's it's really the whole reason I think you're seeing some of the moves that they've done or even like some of the the flirtations with the ideas around Damian Lillard and stuff in the past is because not owning their picks means they can't bottom out, by the way, in a time where it would be great to bottom out. So many of these teams are trying. Like, so many of these teams, so many teams in the NBA right now, i.e. Houston, right? We're going to see the Magic take probably take a jump here. Pacers clearly want to get better. I mean, there's very few teams right now that are in the happy-to-stink category, except for, like, yeah. the Wizards. I mean, even the Hornets are going to try, right? They bring back Bridges and Washington, and like they're going to try. You're going to see the Pistons probably try a little bit to start. A lot of these teams, 
the Spurs have Wembenyama. I'm sorry to just give a whole list here. The point yeah. is, there's a lot of teams going into the season this year that are going to try, at least to start, they're going to be giving it a good go here. The Nets are uniquely positioned <laughs> to stink if they wanted to. And if they own their own draft capital, it would make that so much easier. They just can't. They can't because they because they don't own the picks. Houston has them. So if, I don't know if Houston sent these back. Maybe it's a whole podcast episode. If Houston sent them back with this, I would. You'd have to. You'd have to pick the phone up. Oh yeah, and I think that the NBA floor feels like it's higher across the league in terms of totally. teams and being competitive totally. coming in this year, right? Which is probably another oh, yeah. discussion we, we can have here as we move forward. And incidentally, I'll just point out because it will be a full episode for us. But in terms of no protections, the 2024 first round pick that has been sent to Houston, and then no protections on the 2026 first round pick that's also been sent to Houston. But even the 2025 first rounder, this is where it gets really funky here. Before we get out the door. OKC has the rights to swap the first round pick with Houston, one through 10 protected, or LA Clippers 25 first round pick. And then Houston can turn around and decide if they want to swap its pick or the OKC pick for the Brooklyn Nets pick. There's this big hierarchy board that goes on here. And that's what I think might be the most fascinating is what's the threshold? of what Houston is willing to do to unload Kevin Porter Jr. The Nets may have to, quote, settle for one of these slightly later 2025 picks, but still get some level of value back for themselves and some level of control, really, as we always talk about. Control over your own assets. Um, It'll be interesting to see if getting back their first-round pick, which is greatly devalued relative to what the Nets are doing and what Houston is currently doing, it all swarms around and on the other side of it could influence how the Nets approach this year specifically. So, um, Hey, next episode next week, tune in because we're going to have a very interesting conversation. I think about what could happen here going forward, regardless of Kevin Porter jr. And the Houston Rockets. All right, we're going to get out of here. Much appreciated, everyone tuning in over on YouTube. The numbers continue to grow over there, so make sure you hit subscribe. Also, join us over on Subtext. Join Subtext.com slash LockedOnNets. You're going to get basically everything that's going through Adam and I's head throughout the day around the Nets. Um, and that's a wonderful, That's a dangerous <laughs> but wonderful place to be. So it's a free 14-day trial. Uh, you know, it's only a few cents a day. It's, it's just, the, this is, this is the way things are going here with the new media. And we love, we love subtext. It's really, really great. Everyone that's been on there has been, has loving, is loving what's going on there too. So join subtext.com slash locked on nets. A person often meets his destiny on the road. He looked to avoid Jean de la Fontaine. Oh, one of the all time great poets. We'll be back again tomorrow. Talking more Brooklyn. That's basketball.